0: Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes, coming to you on a very, very late uh, Friday night, I apologize for... I'm doing the episode at what time is it right now? Um, Basically all after 11. So you have all weekend to listen to this. Um, But follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. You can download the app and join me sometime this week. I got to look, sometime next week, excuse me, I have to uh, finalize the date on which I'm going to do it again to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk Sports. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different in the first segment. um, Right now, I'm going to talk to you about a little bit about some deterrence since I saw some of the uh, members of the Penguins media were bringing that up after the latest Penguins win against the Buffalo Sabres. Penguins, of course, are 4 0 against the Sabres this year. And then we're also going to talk some stuff about the Eric Stahl trade. Obviously, he is not going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin as I have been wanting to happen. He is now going to Montreal for a third and fifth round pick in this year's draft. And we'll get to some other goodies for this podcast as well, but let's start with some deterrence talk. So, you now, both of the reporters um, from The Athletic, Rob Rossi and Josh Yui, you know, they, they talked a lot um, this morning, Friday morning, you know, especially Rob Rossi. He wrote the article um, about the Penguins needing some protection for someone such as Cindy Crosby in the lineup because Rasmus first line was taking some, you know, shots in him, being a bit more physical with him, and it looked like the Penguins weren't doing anything about it, as I think, I think the article basically said. You know, all respect to Rob Rossi and Josh Showy. he quoted the article and saying this is becoming a big problem. They are they have come on this podcast so many times. I absolutely love their work, but I gotta disagree with them on that, and I gotta disagree with a a large section of Penguins Twitter on that as well. I I feel like it's like kind of like a 50-50 split. You have a very large section of fan base who thinks the team needs protection and deterrence, and there's a large section which I'm in and a lot of you are in as well, that don't think the team needs protection and deterrence or more physical players, someone like Ryan Reeves to protect the star players. And I'm going to tell you why right now, why this team doesn't need that. The Penguins won in 2016 and 2017 because of speed and skill. They didn't need someone such as Ryan Reeves out there protecting the star players. This is not 1985 anymore. You're not going to have a lot of players just running your stars. I mean, is Ryan Reeves or some other deterrent really going to stop Tom Wilson from headhunting people, especially on this team? I mean, the Bruins... They just got Brandon Carlo. I I think he's back in the lineup now. I I think so, at least. But he was out for quite a while after Tom Wilson knocked him senseless. And I think he was sent to the hospital. Wilson, of course, was suspended seven games. But no Bruin player ended up fighting him right after that just because it doesn't happen. I mean, you go back a few years ago with this team. Chris Letang, I think, was hit pretty hard by Corey Perry and Dustin Brown. uh, Basically boarded uh, into the boards. And Ryan Reeves was on the ice for that. Nothing happened. It's like th- this is these teams and players on these teams are not going to stop going after the star players, even if a deterrent or a physical player is on the ice. It's it's really not going to happen. We've seen players go after Sidney Crosby in, in so many years, and literally a player such as Ryan Reeves, it, he didn't do anything. You know, he's been on the ice for times where players have gone after Sidney Crosby. They've gone after Chris Tane. They've gone after Evgeny Malkin, and the same you can say. You know, even when Jamie Alexiak was here, Eric Reed Branson. it doesn't change a thing. And I really don't understand why so many people are so big on this toughness part, you know. And for the players that are a bit physical and can be a bit tough and are really good play drivers at 5v5, which is what I would love in that kind of player. You know, you don't need to go out and get someone like Tom Cistito or something like that, you know. That kind of player is basically extinct. You know, a Ryan Reeves. I mean, the times for a Sean Thornton even are way past that. But the thing is, these kind of players that drive play at 5v5 can be a bit physical and are annoying to play against. They are a dime a dozen, and they do not become available very often. Jeff from the Pensball had a great tweet about They're also on long-term contracts. I mean, I would love if Matthew Kachuk came to this team for whatever price the Penguins could get him out of Calgary. He would drive Tom Wilson and the Capitals and every other team in this division. Absolutely nuts. You know, I remember going back to that last Capitals game. Apparently, Wilson said to the Penguins bench, you know, are you fucking scared or whatever? You know, I'm sure Matthew Kachuk would have barked right back at him, basically saying, hey, you know, I'm better, th- I'm a better, better player than you'll ever be and talks and trash and all that. But, you know, he can back it up while also being a damn good player. You know, a prime Wayne Simmons. Every Penguin fan, including me, hated going up against Wayne Simmons because he was a pain in the ass to play against, but he was also a damn good player And a physical player. You know, you have Evander Kane. In his prime, Evander Kane was probably one of the more underrated players in the league. Yes, he has a bad contract right now. Yes, he's going through a lot of stuff with San Jose. And I think like the bankruptcy and stuff like that. But in his prime, he was a physical player. And he also drove play at an elite level at 5v5 and all situations. So, you know, like I said, a lot of these players, they just don't become available very often. Even Tom Wilson, you know. If he if he didn't even have a lot of those dirty hits and he wasn't a dirty player, I think everyone would love to have that kind of player on their team because he's good offensively at five v five and on the power play. And you know he's not just a big body that can go around and throw hits. So yeah, even if he wasn't a dirty player, every team will be lining up to have a player like that. But like I said. You know, these players are a dime a dozen. They don't they don't grow on trees. Yeah, Blake Coleman is the same way in Tampa Bay. People were saying, Oh my god, Tampa Bay won on toughness and size and all that. It's like you look at Tampa Bay. That was the fastest team in the league this past year. That is why they won the Stanley Cup. Are you going to say that Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman and Andre Pallant and Andre Vasilevsky and Kevin Shattenkirk at the time and Ryan McDonough and all these other players, you're going to say that they won with size and toughness? I mean, I'm sorry they didn't. They had the best roster in the league and they proved it by winning the Stanley Cup without really any Toughness. I mean, you want to call Blake Coleman a tough player? Sure, but he also contributes uh, at an elite level at 5v5 and all situations. And they got him from New Jersey um, basically on a steal. You know, that was a hell of a trade that they got Coleman from with the Devils. And if I were the Penguins, you know... I wish they could have been in on a player like Blake Coleman because that's exactly the kind of player that they could use right now. And like I said, I'd love to trade for Matthew Kuchak, but the Penguins, the last thing they need right now is deterrence, toughness. It legit does nothing. It never has. You know, like I said, this is not 1985 anymore. These tough players that all they do is they go around and fight people and throw big hits and they can't do anything offensively. They're almost extinct in the league anyway. I understand Brian Burke and Ron Hextall, they talked about wanting to make the team bigger. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but bring players in that actually contribute offense and that's fine. They they can throw some clean hits. They can scare a player like Tom Wilson or whatever the hell they want. But bringing in a player that does nothing but hit people and fight people and throw dirty hits or whatever—that's not going to solve the issue of Sidney Crosby getting hit every single night. I mean, he he's the Penguins' best player. Of course, teams are going to try and go after him. The thing is, you know, Mike Sullivan, I think, even answered in his media session on Thursday night. We just play. We skate through it. We play. We win the game. You know, the best thing, you know, if Tom Wilson or, you know, Brad Marchand or any other player in the league makes a stupid hit against a Penguin player, say thank you. They're giving you a penalty. Say thank you. If you get a two-minute minor, four-minute minor, I mean a five-minute major, like I said, say thank you. Score on a five-minute major. Score two to three goals on the power play, on a, on a minor even. Score a goal, and that could potentially win you the game. I mean, like they're, they're giving you the game with that. Is like a great quote from Brad Pitt in moneyball is billy bean when he was basically describing like a team bunting you he was basically just saying hey like they're giving you an out say thank you and like like i said these players that throw stupid hits on Sidney Crosby have Kenny Malkin and Chris Letang, they are giving you a 2 minute minor or a 5 minute major to say hey go score on this power play and then after the series especially in the playoffs once the penguins win that series you can go up to him in the handshake line point to him, laugh at him, shake his hand and say, hey, thank you for costing your team the series. I really appreciate it. We won the game because of your stupidity. And then you can skate away. You know, maybe it's not the most uh sportsmanlike behavior, but you know what? I mean, that, that's what probably should happen. So I just really wanted to get that out of my chest. I mean, like I said, you bring in a tough player that doesn't do anything, it is not going to deter other players from going after your star players. This is not the 80s, as I said, the, for the probably the 1,800 million time in the last whatever nine minutes that I've been recording this podcast. So I'm really just sick and tired of these deterrent talks. Hopefully they go out and get a center or a winger or whoever they want to get that can actually play, contribute at even strength, and don't listen to this deterrence talk that some of the people in the media are talking about. Like I said, I respect Rob Rossi and Josh Shioi a lot. I've had them on the podcast, and I will continue to have them on the podcast And future dates, but I just wanted to say that I disagree with them on that and share my reasoning for it and take the stance that it really will not do anything if they go out and get a tougher player that doesn't do anything else on the ice except hit people. But okay, before we do get to the next segment, it is time to talk about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up for. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline.ag. That's the website. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code LOCKEDON. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. In to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes, all the shows, Twitter at L-O underscore Penguins. So let's get into some trade talk. Obviously, the big news from Friday was that the Buffalo Sabres, they finally have started their fire sale a bit. Center Eric Stahl, who was probably, I think, a Penguins target from Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, and uh, a player that, for a lot of this fan base, they wanted the Penguins to get, myself included. I've talked a lot about that on the podcast um, in recent weeks. He has been traded to the Montreal Canadiens. Just a few days after uh, Mark Bergman said, yeah, I'm not going to really do anything at the deadline. I mean, he is probably the most full of shit general manager in the league you know he, he'll say something and then he'll do the complete opposite you know almost just reminds me of you know stuff that my girlfriend does and li- li- literally she' like she will say she's gonna do something and then she'll do the complete opposite so you know basically I'm comparing her to Mark version right now so yes that is the content that I'm giving you all on a Friday night so yes Berger, he just and he's like total chaos mode honestly. You know, he doesn't really care what he's going to give up. I mean, and the price to get Eric Stahl was not bad. A third and a fifth round pick. It's not, they don't have a high chance. Those picks don't have a high chance, excuse me, of panning out in the NHL. So you're basically just getting a player, um, a rental player for almost nothing. I think Hextall would have paid that price. I was just specifically talking with the Penguins if the Penguins had uh, their third round pick in this year's draft. But, you know, thanks to Jim Rutherford, uh, they do not. Um, I don't think the Sabres were probably looking at picks in the 2022 draft. They were obviously looking for picks in this year's draft. They got that. They got the fifth round pick. I think the Penguins do have a fifth round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's either they either have a second and a fifth or it's a second and a fourth. I'm going to have to double check that. Um, but they potentially might not have had a third or a fifth to work with in that trade. So I can understand why Ron Hextall did not want to trade picks from this year's draft just because, you know, the cupboard is so barren and I don't think Hextall wants to trade a lot of picks from this year. I remember he talked about that with Seth Rohr about the Pittsburgh Tribune Review a couple weeks ago saying, you know, I'm not interested in trading some picks um, for this year for Reynolds. Though I will say, you know, that the price on Taylor Hall is, Continues to decrease. I read today. I'm from Pierre LeBron, I listened to Elliot Friedman the other day. It sounds like the Sabers might not be getting a first-round pick in this year's draft for him. And you know, if the Penguins want to give up their second-round pick and a prospect or a second-round pick plus Marcus Pedersen and someone else for Taylor Hall, I know a lot of people are against the idea of the Penguins trading for Taylor Hall. And I get it. You know, he's been bad in Buffalo. You know, people can say he's a locker room cancer. I understand that, but I don't think that he is. A locker room cancer. He's just been in a lot of really shitty situations. And if this team gets healthy, which you know, God willing they will, you could roll out a lineup such as you know, Gensel, Crosby, Rust. You can go maybe McCann, Malkin, or Hall, or or you can just do Hall, Malkin, Kapanen or something, and then just have a third line of Zucker with McCann and what, Evan Rodriguez down there, and then obviously Aston Reese, Bluger and Tanef, and then the Penguins are really cooking with four damn good lines going into the postseason. I think they would probably be a top two uh, team in the East in terms of depth. And and like I said, I understand the naysayers with Taylor Hall. I I get it. He only has, what, 17 points in 30-something games with the Sabres this year. His value has really declined this season. And, you know, I think that was one of the big reasons why um, Montreal only gave up a third and a fifth was just because Eric Stahl has not been that good this season. And his value ended up going down. Also, I apologize for the Discord notifications. But, you know, getting back to my original point, it's just because he's playing in Buffalo. A lot of their players are not going to get um, what they should get in a trade, I remember the last time Eric Stahl was traded at the deadline, he was traded to the Rangers from the Hurricanes, and he put up, what, like three points in like 23 games, and then was a total no-show in the playoffs. I think that was 2016 when the Penguins um, beat them four games to one. They just they took the Rangers to the woodshed. I honestly was still so—I am still surprised to this day that that was not a four-game sweep. I don't even honestly know how the Penguins um, lost that game, to other than it was just Jeff Zakoff starting, because in games three through five, um, the Penguins just took a total dump on the Rangers, but I mean, yeah, like I said, you can go Gensel, Crosby, Rust. You want to go Hall, Malkin, Kapanen, Zucker with McCann and Rodriguez, and then Aston Reese, Blugert, Tanev. I mean, that is a freaking sexy lineup. All four lines in for defense: Dumoulin, Latang, Pedersen, Marino, and then Matheson, Cc, Jari, and Net. I mean, that would be absolutely sick if they could pull that off. And oh, excuse me. In this hypothetical, Pedersen would be traded, so maybe you could have Pio Joseph. The lineup, so still, you substitute Pio Joseph for Marcus Pedersen. Still, the defense is probably still pretty fine. And and Pio Joseph is not getting 25 to 30 minutes a night with Crystal Tang, he's getting more like 18 to 20 minutes a night on the second pairing, or he's being sheltered on the bottom pairing with potentially um Cody Cece. So, um, I really think that's a damn good option for the Penguins. I mean, if they want to go for someone cheaper, you know, I'm going to Micah's page just to look at some other options. One that I've really liked, honestly. For just the last few weeks now is Callie Yarncrook, um from Nashville. I'm going to look at his um, chart on Micah's, on Hockey Viz. If you are not subscribed to that, by the way, everyone, it is $5 a month um, based in the United States. It is damn good. It is well worth it if you are into the underlying numbers. If you look at his offensive impact for this season so far, plus 0.4% expected goals for. So there's a bit of red on you know, his isolated 5-5 impact. His best came... Um, when it was 2014-15 with plus 2.5, but his defensive impact this year has been through the roof. Minus 5.7 expected goals against for his 5v5 impact last year, everyone, it was plus 0.4%. So he has gone back to where he was in 2017-18 and 2018-19, where he was outstanding defensively in his own zone. And offensively this year, if you just look at the regular stats... He has been putting up some decent numbers with the Predators. Nine goals, 15 points in 28 games. Last season, 15 goals, 34 points, 64 games. The season before that, 26 points, 35. So, you know, this is a player that he's a good depth player. He's only still 29. You know, he's a center, obviously. So, if you want to do, you know, Zucker, even with Jan Kruk and Rodriguez, that still looks Pretty damn good going into the playoffs. You also can go with Mikhail Granlund from Nashville. He has seven goals, 13 points in 30 games this year. It's obviously been a little bit of a decline for him from last year where he had 17 goals, 30 points in 63 games. He's obviously a two-time 20-goal scorer. So if you want to get one of those two players, I think that makes a lot of sense for the Penguins. There's a lot of really good players out there on the trade market. Like I said, like these two, that would just make a ton of sense. And, you know, I've already talked about Eric Holla. There's Anthony Mantha out there who has quite a bit of term. I know it would cost a lot to get him, but it would make a lot of sense because he has a lot of elements that would just really push this team um, to being a true contender for the Stanley Cup this year. So I'm curious to see what Ron Hexall is going to do. By the time you all listen to us, it's probably going to be um, 16 days out from the trade deadline. So yeah, we're less than two and a half weeks. I'll be curious to see if the action starts picking up here in the next few days. We have the first domino fall. Would not surprise me if we have more falling. Um, this weekend as the deadline is now, like I said, just about two weeks away. But, okay, before we do get to the next segment, it is time to do the Bilt Bar Madness. So, we have Cookie Dough Chunk still versus Birthday Cake. Again, this is a great matchup I'm probably gonna go cookie dough chunk we still have we have two of the flavor for fours finalized for the final four of this bracket of cookies and cream ended up beating coconut almond and then mint brownie and ended up beating coconut puff I'm still though guys I would probably have cookie dough chunk against cookies and cream. Going into that final four, then for the other one, it's probably going to be caramel brownie versus mint brownie. and I think I'm going to take mint brownie versus cookies and cream um, in the national championship, as they like to call it. But don't remember, go to BillBar.com or Bar underscore bill on Twitter. Remember to, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BillBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. In order to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes, follow the show's Twitter at L O underscore Penguins. So, not too much else to talk about with this team right now. Obviously, there's two monstrous games this, well, starting this weekend, excuse me, Saturday at 7 p.m. The Penguins will get the Islanders at PPG Paints Arena, and then they will conclude um, the eight game set against the Islanders on Monday. That game will be on NBC Sports Network, nationally televised um, for those not- in Pittsburgh. Um, I did a a poll to see the results on the Twitter page. You know, the playoffs started today. Who would you rather play? And after looking at the results, 50% of you think that that you would rather play the Capitals, 33.3% for the Islanders, and 16.7% for the Bruins. Honestly, I'm not surprised by that. I think as well, I would rather play Washington than any of the two other teams. I do think these are going to be your final four teams. I talked about that yesterday. Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders, and the Bruins. I know a lot of people are hyping up the Rangers. But they have a tough end of this uh, season with their schedule. And I just don't think they can make up ground against a team like the Bruins. I, I know the Bruins are playing like dog shit right now. But I can't see them playing like this for too long. I know Tuka Rask also got hurt, but it is the Bruins, you know, if they miss the playoffs with the super line of Marshawn Bergeron, Pasternak, and a whole bunch of other depth pieces that I know they haven't played as well this year, I would still be relatively, um, a little bit shocked. But, you know, I still wouldn't want to play the Bruins in the playoffs just because like, they the Bruins always have the Penguins number. So far, Pittsburgh is 1-3 against Boston this year. The Islanders, I honestly wouldn't mind playing the Islanders this year. I know that might seem like a hot take to some of you, but I feel like the Penguins have the personnel this year when healthy to go up against them and actually beat them in a seven-game series. They learned their lesson from 2018-19 where they thought they could just run and gun against them, but Barry Trotz obviously had other ideas. You have to be very patient to be that team and I'm sure Mike Sullivan obviously knows that now um, and almost all the players that you know a lot of the players that were on that team are still on this team now well at least all the core players and the foundational players you know some of the depth pieces um, at the time were uh, that were there are not there anymore and some depth pieces that were added in like the last year or two um, we're not there at the time as well, but I really think the Penguins could be the Islanders, but it would just not be fun hockey to watch because Barry Trotts hockey is well, it's low event hockey and it almost takes you back to the 2000 Devils and the 1990s um, Devils, basically the same thing. But you know, I had to throw that in there. As for the Capitals, I know they're playing really good hockey this season, and I respect that. Alex Ovechkin is obviously the best goal scorer of all time. Backstrom's a great player. Jacob Verana has really come into his own. TJ Oshie, for as much as Penguins fans and myself included, have never really liked him. He's still a damn good player. You know, I know the contract is a little long, but yeah, I mean he he's still he can still score goals at any time. If Kuznetsov Nets off is obviously great. John Carlson is great offensively. Defensively though, you can kind of have his number a little bit but I like how the Penguins still match up against them. And of the three teams, I would rather play them just because of how the Penguins have played Washington this year. I know they have the same record against Washington as they do against the Islanders. That's four and two. But in the six games, I think the Penguins have outplayed Washington more than they have outplayed the Islanders. You know, and they outplayed the Islanders in most of their games too. But mainly in the games against the Capitals, um, Pittsburgh has just been the better team, I would say, in probably five of the six games. You know, I don't think the Penguins deserve to lose one of those two games that they lost. But, you know, you can also make the argument that they probably didn't deserve to win one of the four games that they won against them. So it kind of all evens out. But like I said, I, I when healthy, I like the Penguins' depth more than the Capitals, and I trust the Penguins' goaltending. Yes, I can't believe I'm saying that as well. I trust the Penguins' goaltending a lot more than I would with Washington, with Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek. I know that they put up decent numbers for Washington this year, but, you know, it, it would also be the first time that Samsonov or Vanacek is getting... Uh, playoff minutes, Tristan Jari has already started one playoff game. I know, very, very small sample, I get that. Uh, but I would rather have Tristan Jari in there than I think one of those two. But still, big game against the Islanders on Saturday. I will be back on Monday to recap that game. And then Tuesday, I will recap uh, Monday night's game. Islanders, all obviously without Anders Lee, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. The Penguins will have to try to take advantage of that. For injury updates, I'm not sure if they're going to have Brandon Tanev or Jason Zucker back tomorrow. I'm going to guess no, um, but you know we'll see if Mike Sullivan um, surprises me, and we'll see if potentially Ron Hexton and Brian Burke make a trade this week. I, mean, I would not count it out. That's that's all I'm saying right now. But okay, thank you all so much for listening to this episode, and I will talk to you all starting next week.